This is Table Talk, your premier competitive Warhammer 40K Houston podcast. We review new content and releases, interview some of the brightest minds in Houston 40K, and talk gameplay and tactics to help you level up your Warhammer 40K game. This is a Team Eden production sponsored by Eden Games. Now for your Table Talk host, Chad Stubblefield. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Table Talk. As always, I am your host, Chad Stubblefield. And I uh, just want to plug our sponsors real quick. Table Talk is a Team Eden production sponsored completely by Eden Games and Rexer's Lasers. Make sure you go to EdenGames.com where you can find all your wargaming, hobbying stuff. I mean, you've heard it before if you listen to the podcast, but really great website to find kind of everything you need wargaming related and shipping's free over $100 worldwide. So you'll be able to get wherever you are the thing that you need to continue your hobby. Also, I want to plug Rexer's Lasers. So if you go to rexerslasers.com, you can find game aids. Uh, Joey makes all the terrain for basically every Texas event. So he's an amazing guy and uh, is the reason that we get to enjoy awesome terrain on our boards here in Texas. <laughs> we have a ton of events, so he's, ar- he's already doing great things and he's willing to do great things for you. Um, so today we are going to be talking about soup. So today is the soup of the day, as I've coined the episode. Um, soup is a very interesting subject that is kind of complex to break down. So I wanted to make sure that we got one of the best people to help us break it down. So today we have, uh, Georg Bokov here with us. Georg, say hi to the people. Hi to the people. (laughs) So Georg, uh, just to run down some of the accolades is, uh, second ranked in, uh, chaos, just the chaos super faction soup in the ITC. Uh, he is... He went second at Clutch City GT with a amazing, uh, mind-boggling. He was kind of, honestly, Georg, you're kind of the reason I got into soup. Uh, he had the Slanesh uh, Death Guard with some Plague Burst Crawlers and the Tallyman. And then you also had some uh, CSM that were kind of benefiting from the Slanesh Demons in, in that detachment. Um, he also went fifth at Warzone with uh, Creations of Bile and well, with a War Dog, I believe. And then second at Dragon's Lair Open and third at the San Antonio Shootout with Creations of Bile plus, you guessed it, Zinch Flamers. So, uh, Gior, kind of break down with us. What what led you to play these kinds of lists? Yeah, so I would say it started all that I was a pure Slanish player. So when I started at the like mid eighth edition, I was looking for basically uh, chaos and speed, and there was like the nice <clears throat> overlapping function that um, the Slanesh demons were able to give like an aura to give like the chaos space marine demons advance and charge, and that was how it all started. And at some point, I decided, okay, will not restrict myself to only Slanesh, uh, but also dabble into the other gods and uh, that led me to like diversify quite a bit and until recently it was like the good and the bad thing that uh, our codexes came so late Uh, basically i was able to soup without any um, problematic or negative things and so i was souping quite a lot Uh, so at some point i had like death guard demons and emperor's children as you said in a mixed list uh which is, I think, a really nice thing to have because your tool set is so much uh, richer. And I really like to play around with lists and find synergies and everything. So, yeah, that's how it all started. And um, in the end, my second place at uh, Clutch this year basically sealed it for me that I will try to go for Western Faction Chaos or at least be as high as possible. And I'm almost there. But uh, let's see whether we'll be able to get it all done by LVO. Yeah, for sure. I, I, my personal journey with soup has been interesting because I, I similar situation when I was playing Eighth Edition Harlequins, and the indirect rules weren't so rough on me. I realized that I could play some really, really good uh, craft world psychers and uh, run some night spinners alongside those. So some backfield objective holders, I had some decent indirect at the time, and then the rest of my list would be Harlequins, so very fast, mobile, playing playing the primary while you know the, the craft worlds played kind of a support role and opened up a few more secondaries to me. So that's, that's what led me down the, uh, 
the soup rabbit hole as it is, and it, it's hard to pull yourself out of. It's very interesting. Uh, I, I love the list design of Warhammer already, and it, it becomes very interesting when you start opening yourself up to other books, and then it becomes, what do I lose? What do I gain? Ninth edition has kind of started to set parameters around it. So, um, your break down for us what what is soup for the people that kind of just baseline play their faction the way that it is what is soup in your eyes and and what are some of the kind of advantages disadvantage why why even look at other books when you already have a book in front of you yeah so um basically soup means you are mixing uh, units from different codexes and uh most of the time it's actually uh like you have two detachment at least and one of each for yeah, each codex, although in theory you can also uh, mix and match in between a little bit. And um, in the end, <clears throat> Ninth has restricted it quite a lot uh, of like what you are losing and what you're gaining. So before it was basically like you, you lost almost nothing. Um, whereas nowadays we have all like these super faction abilities that you only get if you are a pure faction. And this has restricted the soup quite a lot. However, with, um, I mean, the, the Imperial agents have always been out <clears throat> already before. And now with the Elder Codex, which has like the Harlequins can come with like a patrol, basically uh, for free <clears throat> into another Eldari army, uh, they have opened up routes to kind of include two different uh, codexes together in one army again. And in the end, <clears throat> they are now refining it with Chaos, which I think is a really nice thing because I was quite worried that uh, Soup would go like as much away as it was in the beginning of Ninth. Yeah, Chaos, and, kinda, um, Chaos does yeah. it better than anyone else, right? I don't know. Uh, I would say it is very similar. So if you look at um, what other armies have, they have like half of it. Basically, so you have like the, the Imperial Knights that can be souped in as good as Chaos Knights, basically, and then you have like uh, Harlequins as an example, which can be as good souped in or even better actually, because there you can have like a major Harlequin list uh, with like a sprinkle of Eldari, um, uh, for example. Yeah, a, a lot of Harlequins one. can go in a patrol for sure. Exactly, exactly. Whereas for the demons, it's actually. I was just recently uh, contacted by uh, Matthew Tweedle, who said, like, is there a way how I can play major demons and then a smithereen of uh, Chaos Space Marines? And unfortunately, um, there is not a way to do that. So it is differently restricted, but overall it is open enough so that I have the feeling, okay, soup is not completely dead. There are still things that you can do and work around with, which I'm quite happy with. Yeah, yeah I... I... I've seen that with Chaos. I've been a bit, as an Elves player, I've been a bit jealous because we have, uh, Chaos has gotten the restriction for demons not being more than 25% of your power level, which is a very interesting metric most lists don't really look at unless you're playing Crusade. Um, and then you have very definitive restrictions on how the Chaos Knights can kind of go into the different Chaos factions. And then you have um, Disciples of Bellicor, which I would say is soup in a sense because it also gives you some restrictions when it comes to eldar um we really we have two we have two main ways which is traveling players which is as long as harlequins are not more than a patrol detachment of your army the you don't you get the benefits of both and the harlequins specifically are not considered for your drukari power from pain or your strands of fate so you don't lose either of those abilities you just don't gain luck dice, so it's a very interesting list design. We also have Yanari, which is just pick and choose units. You have to have a craft world unit. It's very Disciples of Bellicor, right? You have to have a certain unit to unlock another certain unit, and you have this constrained list design, and you have to kind of figure out what are the benefits of this. So walk us through. Uh, let, let me just shortly interject. I think you yeah. missed maybe the biggest soup faction of all, which is actually Dark Elder. In my eyes. Because Dark Elder, in theory, have like three codexes in one codex. For sure. And there is nowhere um, uh, in any other list 
or also in the law <laughs> that it would make sense that you have like a cabalite um, radar that is used by um, some homunculus and can still be uh, used as a transport. So um, I think they have also like elements of soup which are like hidden in their codex because they have like these three things and each of them is too small to actually be like a standalone codex. But I think the um, leverage that they have to actually soup and like the boni that they get is actually amazing, especially like the um, the rule that they can have like several patrols without needing to spend CP for it. Absolutely, I think it's, it's amazing. And or uh, or a real space raid, which is their other special rule. Yeah, and yeah. you you just get to add everything in the same detachment as long as you meet certain constraints on your HQs. Um, yes. it, it's super. You're you're absolutely correct. It's super interesting to take what should otherwise be constraints, but you're playing sub factions within the same faction um which a lot of people can't do right if you're great knights you have to pick one you know sword brother club or whatever whatever they call them in their book or one shield host for custodies but yeah it's it's very interesting the way that drukari does it i i want you to break down for us why why should anyone look at soup is it is it really just to give yourself kind of a an interesting way to list design or is there advantages there behind it I mean, they have for sure advantages. I mean, it opens up like a whole set of new units, for example, and that can lead to a situation where you, for example, have like something that your codex is not as good as, but can be supplemented um, by the other codex like you had with your Night Spinners. Like for me, um, I have used the Playboy Scrollers for that because uh, CSM basically don't have any indirect fire. And then you can soup it in, for example. But also nowadays, um, when I look at my list right now, the flamers actually bring quite a lot to my list because it is it is only short range, but they move really fast, so it's still like a pretty decent threat range um, of reach, of just like shooting in a form that um, yeah, CSM, especially my list, doesn't really bring to the table, and it's also good against flyers, which I would otherwise struggle. And so usually it is that you either have like one of two components that you're looking for, something that you don't have and you want to um, basically fill up your list with the way of like dealing with a certain thing or bringing a certain profile. And the other thing is also it could be like an overload mechanism. So there is quite often that you have like a certain defensive profile that it would be cool to kind of work your list around that one. But if you just look at, let's say, Chaos Space Marines, you're not having enough units that actually can bring that profile to the same uh, level. Because quite often, these units then also want to have like the same buffs uh, on them. And if you then bring five units, it's much harder to actually spread the buffs so that everybody is kind of protected and uh, working out properly than it is maybe with like two or three units. However, if you have like a secondary codex that has like a very similar unit type or something that can perform a similar role, at that moment, you also open up again, a new set of um, a new set of buffs that are used then to make these units fully competitive. And these buffs are not yet used on the other units already. I think this is also a really good one to look out for. Yeah, I remember one of the interesting things that I did. I, I used to play Sinesh Demons, funny enough. Um, well, I, I used to play all types of demons, but I, I definitely loved my Keepers and my uh, my Bellicor for my buddy that I would borrow and then running some Fiends up on the field, especially when Admech was good. Uh, mm -hmm. Making sure they can't fall back was very fun. Um, do, do you see, when we talk about these these advantages and kind of fixing the problems within your book, do you see any sort of, I know it's hard for you and I to look at it that way because that's what we like to do, but what are what are some disadvantages or at least some things that people should look out for to make sure that they don't, you know, they don't write themselves into a hole per se? So you mean uh, a disadvantage of souping or... Um, a absolutely, like what can be some of the disadvantages or kind of pitfalls uh, for players? One of the big pitfalls is right now the CP cost because you basically have to pay, spend at least two CP for another... Uh, detachment and we are starting right now with 6 CP which is almost nothing so as I said um, 
I decided to go for like best infection chaos. And so for me, every single list that I'm writing is starting at maximum at 4CP. And that really hurts right now because chaos basements have a lot of nice relics and roller traits that you would like to try out and put into lists and um, have it all together. And people are already like um, a bit annoyed that they can only start out with 6CP and I can only start with 4CP. And then... The other thing is also like quite often uh, you have like these filler units that you need to bring to actually get a, a detachment. Right. So let's say like a, a troop unit and then a, a HQ. But the thing that you're actually interested in is actually three elite units or something like this. And then you're coming to like the situation, okay, um, either you bring two HQs, three um, troops, and then... Uh, to kind of open like three elite uh, slots and then hopefully be able to make that one as your major detachment so that you get the CPs refunded. But um, yeah, it becomes problematic. And quite often these units that you are then forced to um, take are not really what you want to take. Or maybe you need to be a bit creative to find something, how they can still be useful and helpful in your list design so that you're not like spending too much additional points to um, include what you actually want to include. Because if you have like 375 points that you want to include, that might be a real, real steal. But if you need to spend another, I don't know, 250 points just to unlock those, then suddenly it might not be that these 375 points are as valuable as they could be because you have like all this additional ballast that's right. coming with them. Yeah, I I found myself, and I think that uh, this is going to be a little controversial because we have a very uh, popularized Chaos Knight community in our Discord, and uh, just because just because we have that. Kevin, yeah, we Everybody wants to speak with Kevin, apparently. Absolutely, and and we almost had Kevin on here tonight, but now that he's not, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about y'all for a second. Um, I think that because I did this right, I played Hail of Doom Craft Worlds with a light patrol of Harlequins, and the mm. idea in my head was that the Harlequins would play the primary very well and be kind of extra durable. And I still got the light, you know, run away six inches when charged, and they could pivot out very far and kind of be aggressive if I needed them to. <clears throat> but then I also had this Hail of Doom battalion, or I, I think at the time it was also a patrol, but it had some really valuable characters in it. I had a very killy farseer. And I was I think that looking back at it, and I think some of the Chaos Knight lists are becoming this, specifically the ones that both have Abaddon and Demons and Chaos Knights. I think that um sometimes you can write yourself into a hole, right? Yeah. Where you you have you've picked a main faction because that's your main faction and you're trying to supplement what could be a good addition to that faction but you you get to this point where you're paying so many points to do the cute thing to add the extra pieces that you're actually diluting what are some of the best chaos knight secondaries or i was diluting what are some of the best craft world secondaries so that's that's to me some one of the biggest like list writing pitfalls is if you add too much on the other end you're actually diluting your game plan on the first side the side you started with right yeah i think it's also a really good point that you mentioned secondaries so they're still open to do at that moment which is really important right now because having additional options is never a bad thing and there are definitely i mean csm not so much but there are lists out there that have like really really useful um secondaries however um quite a few of them can only be fulfilled by actually chaos based moon units and not by a demon unit that is allied into so you have to be a bit careful that you're not taking away yeah, points that you can basically score by um, taking too much of the other one. Yeah. So in, in terms of events, I, I want you to just kind of quickly summarize what's what's the game plan and what were you looking at when you, you went from Warzone with this creations of bio list that, you know, had this war dog to yeah. the the following two events, which you placed very highly at, which were creations of bile, but then backed up by Zinch detachment. So walk us through your mindset and why you adapted from one thing into the other. So I would first of all start out with uh, also it was on Houston. I lost uh, the table, 
the top table last round, basically. Yes. And then uh, fell down to fifth position. So um, I was already quite happy with the list overall, how it works. And the, the major thing no, didn't change. And I think this is a very common thing for list writing and list optimization, that you have like a certain core fraction of your list that is untouchable or like barely touched. And then you have play around with like the last few 500 points maybe also where you really can shift the the focus of the list in a very minute manner, but it can still have like a big impact. And as I said before, what I was basically looking for was um, help with like the shooting portion of the game. So to actually include some additional shooting elements in my army and also um, help against uh, flyers because we have like a few factions that can bring quite deadly flyers. I mean, the Sunshark Bombers, Harpies, and in theory also like some uh, Eldari Bombers or so can be really, really detrimental to my lists. <clears throat> and because my list is almost all foot slogging uh, Chaos Space Marines, um, I have four Combi Melter, and otherwise I have, I don't know, 24 bolt guns or something like this. So not really a shooting portion and I'm not bringing warp talent. So I can't really take them down um, either. And so I have a winged demon prince, but it's not always uh, clear that you are able to take down the flyers with this. And so that was the starting point, bringing the war dog at that moment. Uh, the demon codex was uh, barely out and um, I had already tested before with the war dog, was feeling quite uh, fine with it. But in the end, I think uh, the issue of the war dog was a little bit that he was like the, the odd stepchild in that list, because the list is basically all infantry and bikes. Right. Suddenly there was like this one vehicle that is running around. And so all the anti-tank weapons that would not have like the perfect target in theory, I mean, I'm bringing a lot of elite infantry, so anti-tank is still fine against those. But suddenly they would have like a target that they really would like to shoot. And he's also not as easily hideable if you want to have as much space for your big infantry blobs as possible. So, yeah, it was not the ideal scenario. And so um, the demons had been out like, I don't know, a week or two before I was in Houston. And I only shortly looked at them. But then afterwards, I basically looked at my lists, what performed well, what didn't. And I was not really convinced that the, the War Dog was actually giving me what I really wanted to have. And yeah, um, if you look at the data sheet of the Flamers and their point cost, yeah. I think it's not really hard to come up with the idea that they might actually be helpful in the list. I think you and, and K every Chaos player has figured come to the same conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well. So um, I was happy that uh, I had basically already enough Flamers hanging around together with like a friend of mine, Matthew. We, we kind of share these Flamers. I think it's yeah. eighteen of them. And yeah, so yeah, at, at that moment it was like okay, um, slotting out. The war dog, and then also decreasing uh, another element that I was not like completely happy with, which also freed up a, a CP because I had a, a special relic on my biker captain at that moment, and then playing around a little bit, uh, shifting some points, and I think I got like a minimum uh, Vanguard detachment from Siege Demons, but it's actually really helpful for my list in particular because. It allows me against like full close combat armies to play like a bit more relaxed. So I don't have to go in, but I can kind of play on the edges, wait a little bit until I can fully commit with my whole army. And then it becomes quite devastating. And it's also that uh, flamers are really good into a lot of things in the meta right now. So like Harlequins don't really like flames, for example, and neither do Nits. Um, in general, like uh, Arm of Contempt is not as uh, problematic as like armies with Arm of Contempt. Yeah, you you were fine into them anyways, though. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it helps a lot. If you have like the yeah. mirror uh, against another creations of buy list, for example, you have like this idea of like, okay, yeah, both of them hit each other in close combat and both of them hit when they die. And so they're basically just shoving units into each other and then both of the units are disappearing and then the next few units can do get out. And suddenly I have an element where I can um, quite easily overload a flank and suddenly remove everything that was on that flank. And if I then hold back with the other flank a little bit, then my flamers can next turn jump to the other side and do damage over there or something like this. It's just like infantry 12-inch move plus D6 and then uh, the amount of shots that they bring to the table is just uh, something that is definitely really, really helpful. So I think it's very easy for people to kind of kind of listen to what you're saying and, and look at the UK meta specifically and see all of these people doing well with Emperor's Children and in, into matchups like Harlequins, into, you know, they, they found that shooting platform in the form of their troop choice and also still get to have all these other tools and don't necessarily have to branch into something else. So do you feel like you have some advantages or is the creations of Bile more just the way you play? Uh, so I have played Emperor's Children for quite a long time. I'm not really convinced always. Like, So the Blastmasters is basically the big thing that draws people to Empress Children, I would say. Right. Because it's like an absolutely amazing gun. But uh, with our terrain setup, quite often I have the feeling that you can't use it as good as you would like to. Um, because if you have like a, a GW terrain where the opponent is basically in his box, then you're not shooting him until he's basically upon you. And um, yeah, uh, as I said, I started as a Slanesh player. I will definitely dabble into uh, Empress Children lists as well. I have already. But don't worry. <laughs> but uh, right now I'm uh, quite happy with um, that. And to be honest, um, Empress Children restricts yourself to like completely only Slanesh right. um, demon allies. And so I have some ideas there. Um, with like a pure Slanesh demons detachment. I have like a lot of painted chariots and at some point I yeah. just want to bring them to the table. So, so, so unfortunately, the, the funny thing about what you just said is it is very clear to us over here in the US that the codex says that Ember's children are only supposed to be taking Slanesh demons. I have but, heard that in, uh, in uh, UK podcasts, but I... I have also heard it already, uh, at least from one podcast, that they walked back on that. Uh, That's good. <laughs> that uh, statement, because uh, this is BS. So it's like clearly the intent is like, I mean, they wrote a whole section about like what kind of demons can go with the other ones, and then they yeah. just screwed up a little wording or whatever. So yeah, for I anyone that doesn't really, know, really the the intent is uh, that basically the 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 legions that are dedicated to a single god, like Correct. Uh, World Eaters or Emperor's Children or Death Guard or T Sons, they can only uh, ally in demons from that specific god and not everybody else or like a mixture. Yeah, Which we tend, one of we the tend things to rule that, by um, intent here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they, they, they wrote like a whole section with basically only talking about this, but they're just not able to formulate it in a way that it would be tight. So there would still be a workaround, but um, I think you should not play like this. Yeah, so for anyone that doesn't know, what we're talking about is, and in some other places, um, they have allowed players that are playing Emperor's Children because it is in the Chaos Space Marine Codex to take essentially 25% of their power level in flamers, the way that most people do. Um, it's pretty clear in the book, like we're saying, that it, you, you can only play what your associated god demons are with your associated god chaos space marines. Um, but there's there's some funkiness in the fact that Death Guard and Thousand Sons only have their own they have their own book, and then Emperor's Children and, and some others do not. But 
as long as you as long as you do it the right way and try not to jank the system, then I think that's the way to go about it. Um, yeah. I I do want to touch on when it comes to uh, soup specifically. Uh, it, give us an example of kind of your you you already have in in your past comments, but give us sort of the in-depth analysis of what what your list writing looks right looks like right like you you said you want this core body of a list that performs performs the task um and then by not diluting it too much you are adding you're not trying to add more that the list already does well because otherwise you would add more of those units right you you are instead adding something that you feel like personally the list is lacking maybe your ability to interact with flyers stuff like that so kind of talk talk about that a little bit more with me and what should people be looking at so like what if they're a melee army what if they're a shooting army right mm -hmm. yeah so that uh, changed quite a lot um when i look at my soup lists from before the ninth codex of care space means versus afterwards because before it was actually um that i quite often looked at, at soup as like the absolute starting point because there were so many like uh, cross codex uh, synergies. So like the, whatever locus the Slanish demons got or every single aura of a Slanish demon would also work on a Slanish demon from the Chaos Space Marines. And so they were like really, really interesting uh, combinations um, available basically. And uh, you could start your whole idea for a list concept or a, a unit that you wanted to try out would quite often start by like, hey, I really like the interaction of like, uh, let's say, uh, you you like demon engines and um, their big issue is that they are not fast enough. And now here you can have like your, your demon engines that is as fast as before but you can also advance the charge uh, if they are close by to a Slanesh demon <clears throat> at that moment. Because, um, yeah, with the new codex, that changed a lot. One, uh, yeah, they're a lot more specific one. about wordings and exactly, keywords. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No, it's almost uh, completely uh, removed. So there are a few odd ones. Like, uh, Abaddon is um, amazingly free in all the buffs that he hands out. So um, he's buffing best Black Legion, yes, but he also buffs quite well Care Space Marines, which makes sense. But it's also um, pretty crazy what kind of buffs he still brings to like uh, every single uh, OPSEC model in a Chaos list. And yeah, but nowadays, as I said, uh, I usually start with either an, a unit that I want to bring or like a, a certain profile or idea that I have, I would like to have a lot of speed, a lot of durability. Quite often it is actually all centering around um, a secondary play. So for example, nowadays it's not super easy with care space means to find like three good secondaries. So I have um, tried a lot of lists where I try to put in something like behind enemy line plays or uh, engage, which is something that my current list, for example, can't really do. But if you would switch the Legion, come up with something like Red Corsairs, for example, and play a lot more uh, like smaller units that can all get uh, engaged, for example, it can become quite interesting. And at that moment, um, I usually have like my core detachment, let's say, most of the time it's a battalion of care space means that I start with, and then I um, have a pretty good knowledge of uh, what I would be able to soup in. And then I'm looking for what what can help to either show up a weakness of that particular um, style or what can really help to hammer down that style even further so that um, if your opponent is mediocre in dealing with that particular concept, he will be completely overwhelmed and can't really de deal with it anymore. Right. Yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> you brought up an interesting point earlier about terrain, and I think it's worth noting when we kind of examine the, the play style you've leaned into, uh, that the U.S. is largely, I, 
it's GW train, but everybody kind of feels like they're trying to not be GW train, but oftentimes it ends up very similar. Yeah. Um, which means no, you know, no windows on the bottom floors, very large pieces of terrain at these events. Um, and I think Creations of Isle is a very smart choice versus, you know, the WTC style. Emperor's Children makes a lot of sense. The midboard is almost completely empty. There's a lot yeah. of pivot points closer to you, but, you know, yeah. it's a big shooting lane in the middle, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, the the last thing I wanted to touch on, and I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like it's a little bit of a controversial subject, and I've heard some very good players express their very, very, very honest opinions about it. Do you feel like Chaos Soup is a little too free? Do you think they made it a little too easy on you? I don't think so. So I no? think the, the, um, the restrictions that are there are... Most of the time, I would say fairly comparable. Like uh, the, the power level constriction instead of like a patrol constriction, for example, is like a huge, huge difference that you uh, have. Now, with the Demon Codex, is the first codex where you uh, actually can have like an additional relic um, from that particular faction. Because this right. is also something um, which quite often can. Yeah, really determine whether you want to soup in something or not. I mean, you're already starting with like only a few CP, but then you would like to have like the relics that are really the key enablers or like making your particular um, character the way that you want him to be. But um, I don't think it is too free. I think Abaddon is too free. And, I agree. Uh, for, um, yeah. There will there are quite a few people that are a bit annoyed by it. I think uh, Russell is uh, one of the major culprits of this, and I can completely <laughs> understand it because in the end they made it so free that uh, Abaddon can basically be slotted into almost any army, and um, because he is also so good, that means he will be uh, nerfed quite a bit. And in the end, uh, that will hit someone like him, which would like to bring his uh, Black Legion and Abaddon every single game, like really a lot. Because others will just say like, okay, then I'm not bringing him anymore. But yeah, if you play Black Legion and you're not bringing Abaddon, something is wrong here. So um, I think Abby is a bit too free, but otherwise... I think the restrictions are very comparable to um, other um, souping armies. I think it's more also like a, a player mindset, potentially, because Chaos, like from the lore and everything, is like a really big soup faction. And especially in like the last codexes, I mean, the synergies that you had between demons and uh, Chaos Basement demons were crazy. So, like, everybody that played Chaos was like really leaning into that and understanding the minutia and was trying to make out like the most out of it. And so now we have like a new form of um, souping, which is way more restricted and the synergies are not like as readily apparent. But I think uh, the player mindset that you would like to have a look and bring whatever is fitting best into your list from two different codexes might be more developed in Chaos players than let's say, in an um, Imperial player, for example. Well, I and, and I think that, like you said, I think this is all very purposeful. I think that uh, the rules have been written as such for a reason. Uh, looking at my book specifically, the Eldari Codex, Harlequins were included in the Eldari Codex, but they're largely very separate. They have things that they lose when souping in, which would be your luck dice, your point-by upgrades, which are your pivotal rolls. Yeah. And the, uh, but that's kind like, of the same thing as uh, for chaos as well. Yeah, and they included in the stratagems the requisition stratagems uh, mm -hmm. that if your warlord is a craft world warlord, you actually do then can use those requisition stratagems to unlock stuff in the Harlequins detachment. Uh, warlord traits, relics. It's very interesting because they. Ah. It's very obvious that they worded it that way on purpose. Yeah. I mean, this is something, uh, for example, that is not working in Chaos. 
I mean, Chaos Demons have uh, no extra Warlord traits, but outside of that, they have like um, the possibility to take eight relics if they want to. Nine, to be honest, um, because every single god has like his own requisition right. stratagem, and um, because of that, you almost weren't able to lock it to like the, the Warlord. And so um, that makes them nicely suitable because you can still take a relic. Well, and it was really interesting when we had our <clears throat> our little moment at uh, the Lone Star Open with Kevin's Chaos yeah. Knight list. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the interesting part of what happened there was that what unlocked all of it was I was just sitting at home. I buy every book when it comes out because I just like to read through them, especially when I'm, you know, at home with the baby. It's something for me to do that keeps me, you know, up to speed, relevant in the game. I'm reading all the other factions rules. It's very nice. Um, looking through the Chaos Knight Codex, I remember messaging. It was like right when it came out and I messaged uh, Kevin and I said, it was it was right after the Chaos Space Marine Codex came out and Abaddon mm-hmm. came out. The data sheet had been leaked, and I messaged Kevin and I said, "Hey, why? Because it's not the same in the Imperial Knights Codex. I had them both in front of me. All of the Chaos Knights, including the big ones, have the core keyword." Yeah, yeah. This is. And uh, I don't it know seems why. purposeful, is, right? I'm not sure whether that's purposeful. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that uh, you have like. All the Wardogs get it. But uh, if you look at um, the difference between the Chaos Knights uh, Codex and the uh, Imperial Knights Codex, you can also argue in a way that one is basically having two Wardog uh, sheets and then a lot of big knights different sheets, whereas the other one has like six or eight Wardog sheets and only like very three different classes of bigger knights. Right. And so it could also be that they just were like so in, in such a mood of like putting core everybody. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I only learned that uh, when from your podcast, actually. I mean, I have read the Knights Codex, but I, I didn't even check the line of like the despoiler whether they have the core keyword or not. Yeah. Because this yeah. is like uh, something I wasn't. But yeah, then again, we are getting to that uh, whole aspect where I'm surprised how. Um, how freely Abaddon is basically handing out his buffs. Because yeah, I, it's like only uh, only core and uh, chaos. And this is like, yeah, no demon prince from one... Like the demon princes of a god are not giving anything anymore to like the, the core units of this god nowadays across codexes. But then you have Abaddon, which is just like giving it to, to everybody that has like a slight hint of core in there so yeah, yeah one, one I, battle I he's hanging out with chaos knights the other battle he's hanging out with red corsairs you know he's yeah, he's everywhere he, he can uh, hang out with like a complete mix of chaos knights and demons and he would give both readily uh, bonus to charge and real ones to hit which yeah for, for me it was uh, surprising in a way and as i said before i think the outcome will be that he will be over nerfed because everybody is uh, bringing him because it's so easy to bring him. But yeah, I, I don't mind. I mean, I, mine is still unpainted. I've not uh, written a list with him because for me, it's usually like, it goes in the same direction that I have already touched upon before. If you're putting too much stuff into other things, you might dilute your concept to such an extent that it's not a real concept anymore, or you you like beyond the threshold where you actually can play that concept as a full list. And 300 points is a lot. So this is like a full unit of possessed, 10 possessed. Um, so if you're playing like a pressure list, you can either have um, that one single model, or you can have like a unit of 10 guys, which can stretch out, can hold several objectives, can wrap a model, can like so many different things. Of course, they have other uh, problems then because they're not core. They can't take a mark for whatever reason. But <laughs> yeah, in the end, you, you have to make like a decision and you have to be very careful when you're souping that uh, your list still has like an identity and not like, oh, yeah, I can have this utility unit and this utility unit and this utility unit. And in the end, you have nothing to actually... I mean, you can play around the game, but you're not really able to 
play the game in a way. I mean, yeah, and I think there's something to, you said yeah. about the opponent's ability. That's kind of my my problem with like Chaos Knights plus Abaddon plus Flamers is if you're saying that I brought Flamers to raise banners, then as your opponent with Howling Banshees that turn off Overwatch and can advance and charge, I will just kill your Flamers. And then you you should not have taken banners and you should not have taken flamers. And so I think it's it's very easy to fall too hard into one side because you're actually giving your opponent if you if you're a jack of all trades, master of none, then a good opponent will be able to look at your list and say, well, I just need to focus that portion of the list down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great way to summarize it. I mean, yeah, it's like. You can diversify your list, which is like the cool thing about it, but it can also kind of dilute the whole list and uh, make it into something that is not working properly anymore or looking very funny, at least on the tabletop. Because <laughs> right. Knights, Flamers, and Abaddon is a bit weird. But it is, <laughs> it is like this concept of um, soup, which quite often people say that soup is, which is just like taking the best data sheets from all the codexes. But I think uh, this is actually not the way how soup is the most effective. Because, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm looking more for like um, either synergies or complementing aspects. And quite often it's not like the, the most broken data sheet that can actually, or it gives you that, that aspect. Because, right. yeah. Uh, I, I see that completely. So uh, before we close out for the night, uh, I, I think we've we've <clears throat> hammered in soup and our, our love for it and our beliefs pretty hard. Um, what are you hoping out of your season for the rest of the ITC? Because we, we, we're coming down to the wire, right? There's only a couple events left. So just I, I, I can only imagine that people listening to this is, have already started to fall in love with you and like you the way that everybody on Team Etten does. So tell, tell us where you're hoping the season takes you. Yeah, so I have basically like two events left. So I've played five events in total uh, this year because I have a little daughter and it's not so easy to go to events on a regular schedule. But I managed I to play that. like um, like all the uh, two-day GTs in Houston and San Antonio. And we are blessed in such a way that uh, Houston is having like a lot of GTs over the year. And um, yeah, there's one more GT left, which is Empire. They're still not booked out yet. And I wouldn't mind if a few more people would sign up. So please uh, have a look. I think it's on the 17th of December. So still enough time to paint the last pieces of your army that needs to be painted. Was really I, I won't be there. Year. I have not and signed up, actually. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, I'm signing up this Friday. I'll be there. Sounds good. Sounds good. No, it was a really nice event last year. And um, I'm pretty sure it will this year as well. It will be an interesting one, a certain aspect that is, at least for Texas, as far as I can see it, rather a, a, a rare thing because it will be player placed terrain. And so that will be my first tournament with this. Let's see how that works out. And then I'm going to LBO, which will be like the end. And yeah, I think I have already uh, alluded to my aims this year. It would be really cool if I can snatch the top place in Chaos. So I had hoped already with my third place now at the uh, San Antonio shootout to be able to do that, but I'm 0.17 points or so behind uh, the first one. So it's like super close. We have both 798.69 and 0.83 or whatever. Like it's really like a super super tiny razor thin margin. Tiny uh, margin. But um, yeah, so I have still two more events that I can go to. One of them is of course uh, like the super major, which for me was kind of the the breaking point because... um, I went to LVO in 2020, uh, just before the pandemic, and I went there basically with having played five tournaments here in Houston and surrounding, and uh, I was driving with 
Mike and Nathan, uh, I think, to Austin and to San Antonio for like a, a prep tournament. And then I went there and I came in 18th. So I lost like, I went five and one. And that was crazy. And so I hope that I can do like a similar nice score again and be better than uh, this Wallace McDonald or so, who is <laughs> currently first. And so that is uh, my one aim. And then the other one, which is a bit of a stretch goal as well, but a top 100 in ITC would be nice. Yeah. Currently, uh, like something like 539 or so with only five events. And one of them is uh, not so nice one at uh, Alamo this year. But I hope that with the next two events, I can replace that uh, rather weak score with another one that is decent. And then who knows where we'll end up. But these are like the... the well, awesome. We're, we're rooting for you, Georg, here on uh, on Team Eden. You're kind of our... We're, we're watching you as much as we're, we're watching Kevin and kind of seeing how things shake out for the, uh, the Houston people in the ITC because there is pretty much every category, every faction, there's... I, I've said this on the on the in the past, but I don't think people understand. There is somebody from Texas, basically near or at every top spot in the ITC. Yeah, no, no, I would also say, and quite a few in Houston as well. I mean, it, it makes your finishes the, the, very the, impressive. The sisters, uh, pretty much, is locked for Colin. Yeah, and then Russell is, I think, top four of Curse Basements right now. Joni is top three. Um, maybe maybe Russell's fifth and Johnny third. I don't know. So it is yeah, definitely uh, a lot of people out there. And I think that's uh, pretty cool because it also shows that um, quite a few people actually stick to their factions or have like their preferred faction that they're going for. And yeah. Doing yeah, quite well with it. Well, thank you, Georg, for being on. I yeah. I appreciate it completely. It's always a pleasure to have somebody somebody on who knows what they're talking about because I'm just a guy that knows info. So uh, I would not say you're selling yourself here a little bit, but I'm really happy to be invited. And um, yeah, whatever. Uh, if there is another soup subject coming up at some point, just let me know. Happy to talk about the cake for sure. Well, I'll I'll be happy to discuss your win at Empire. That'll be the that'll be the next one. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you found it helpful and you're able to kind of look inwards to your faction unless you're like Votan or Tau or Orcs and <laughs> and you're able to identify somewhere where you can add in some spiciness to help yourself out. Uh thank you all for listening again and uh keep on rolling dice. Thank you for listening to Table Talk. Join us each week for more competitive Warhammer 40k content, reviews, interviews, and all-around strategy discussions. This is a Team Eden production sponsored by Eden Games, located in Humble, Texas. For articles, coaching sessions, and all your wargaming needs, go to edengames.com. Your wargaming adventures begin here, edengames.com.